Upstream with Jim and John, father and son conversations about discipleship and culture in the Pacific Northwest. I'm John. And I'm Jim. And today we're going to do an analysis of the Netflix documentary, The Social Dilemma. The Social Dilemma. We're going to talk about uh, what the documentary is about and what our views are on it and how we plan to change our lives, if we plan to change our lives, (laughs) based on the, uh, the education we received. Yeah, it is. Uh, it is about social media, big tech companies, how they Facebook, things. Instagram, Twitter, social media. How Google. they? Yep, Google. Uh, it's very fascinating. We do highly recommend that everybody watch the documentary. Would you agree, John? Yeah, there is one usage of the S word, which I don't commend. But go oh, watch look, the thing. Look anyway. at you. I'm just saying. You know, my pastor recommended this. You know that kind of thing. <laughs> It's tame. Was, it's very tame, and and it's uh, but it is very concerning and very um, quasi alarming. Yeah, but first, as always, it is story and or joke time, and it's your turn this week. So, I thought I would go back in time to a time when I was thoroughly alarmed. Oh, um, it had to do with driving a vehicle. Surprise, surprise. I was going to say this is another <clears throat> golf story. I'm I'm calling it. No, no golf story. <laughs> so, uh, when I was in high school, I was a shoe dog. You familiar yes. with that term? No, shoe dog. but I remember what you were doing in high school. What, what's a shoe dog? A shoe dog is a shoe salesman. Did yeah. you come up with the term shoe dog? No, I uh, inherited that. And you know, when you first showed up for your first day of job, you know, selling shoes, um, they would play the same prank, and every store in the mall knew it. So you'd call a guy in the back and go, hey, man, we got more inventory back here, and we're one box. These shelves are full, mm-hmm. and there's one more box of shoes we need to put in that shelf. So we need the sh- the shelf stretcher. <laughs> and uh, I think the last store to have it was Macy's. And so and the guy would go down to Macy's, and Macy's go, oh, no, we loaned it to Dillard's. And then you go down there, and, you know, you wait and see how many stores before the guy realizes he's been had. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> shelf extender that's not my story but uh that that just popped in my head that's because funny of the shoe dog that's a lot of i feel like most places in the mall other mall companies wouldn't like talk to each other now they wouldn't communicate like yeah that. they may not do that anymore that was the good old days that was the golden yeah. 80s the golden 80s yeah <laughs> the world's best decade yeah so uh, uh i had a lot of friends who worked at the mall and um i worked at a place called town east mall in mesquite texas and you know malls have giant parking lots around the entire thing for sure and uh mall employees have to park out at a certain distance away from the mall so when you close and you're the last guys out of the mall that giant parking lot is empty yeah so one particular night <clears throat> me and several of my buddies ended up in the parking lot about the same time so we're racing through the parking lot <laughs> uh crossing each other's lanes and drag racing and all kinds of stuff it's a great idea which then blends into the street when we get onto the street to go to the highway there's you know spin outs and oh my goodness uh going crazy well what time <laughs> of night is this it's uh 10 30 i saw that late no and i a police officer pulls me over. He singles you out of this whole. She. Gang? She it was a. It was a woman police officer, a mesquite police officer, and she pulled me over. Mesquite's finest. Yes, and I pull over. Um, 
I was already a veteran at this experience. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so as we pull over, I got my window down. She's talking to me. And my buddies come flying by, honking their horns and yelling at me. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so she says, those are your buddies? I said, yeah. <laughs> she said, uh, and she said, I had my license. She had had my license in her hand by this point, and my license has a Garland address. I grew, lived in Garland, Texas, mm-hmm. and, uh, but I worked at, at Mesquite. She's a Mesquite's cop. She says, "Hey, what what do uh, what do drivers in Garland say about Mesquite cops?" I said, "They say that you're the meanest, most merciless cops <laughs> in the region." Is and this true? I don't remember. It's what I told her. And she handed me my license back, and she said, well, you go tell them they're wrong. Wow. And she let me go. Jimmy's had the charm his whole life. (laughs) (laughs) Something you're born with, I guess. I guess so. So, Well, you said you learned learned a bit of your persuasion doing shoe salesman stuff. So maybe this was... uh, Yeah, well, my dad, you know, my dad was a real salesman. Mm -hmm. You know, my dad, they say, could sell ice to an Eskimo or condoms to a monk <laughs> what <laughs> so uh i did learn from the best yeah that's hilarious i would that would not be my go-to either i'd be like oh they say they're the prettiest right, right. and the kindest but that wouldn't have worked i don't know it wouldn't have that's hilarious i just threw her a challenge you know yeah you're gonna confirm this yeah <laughs> that's so funny uh okay well i guess we'll hop into it not a good segue to that one that's a good story yeah all right so the social dilemma, John, um, mm-hmm. I I found actually a pretty good uh, description, summary description of uh, the the uh, of the actual uh, products. So let me read this. This is from the New York Times because I did okay. some homework on what people were saying about it, and here's the way it's described uh, in the New York Times. That social media can be addictive and creepy isn't a revelation to anyone who uses Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and the like. But in the documentary Social Dilemma, conscientious defectors from these companies explain that the perniciousness of social social networking platforms is a feature, not a bug. They claim that manipulation of human behavior for profit is coded into these companies with Machiavellian precision machiavellian that's right infinite scrolling and push notifications keep users constantly engaged personalized recommendations use data not just to predict but also to influence our actions turning users into easy prey for advertisers and propagandists well there it is this was interesting um growing up so technically uh, they throw a figure out in the in the series. They say, or in the documentary, that um, 1996 or thereabouts is Gen Z, and their um, how they determine that is that Gen, that uh, 1996 is around the first age where you would get social media in middle school. That's the way this guy uses it in this mm-hmm. documentary. Yeah, and I've seen a wide range of years for Gen Z, and and qualifiers for that. So this is just one of them. But uh, um, so so point point being that I. I'm technically on the very tail end of millennials. Um, but uh, growing up, and especially since social media, there's all kinds of, like all through school, seriously for like a decade, 
uh, there was this this um, talk like, well, things are different now because of social media. Right. And the talk didn't change for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And you can bet your bottom dollar that things were changing. But the, the conversation didn't. So, like, when I, I went to school for journalism and the talk still was, well, because of the Internet, journalism's different. And it's like, hey, Haas, the Internet's been around for 20 years. <laughs> You know, so it's like not only is it different yeah. from when it was. Al Gore invented that a long time ago. <laughs> right. <laughs> not only is like the world different from then, it's different from five years, ten years ago. So right. it was really refreshing to see this conversation is actually very um, current. Current. I was worried it was going to be, well, now that there's Google and it's like, <laughs> that's that's ancient history. Right. That's disco, you know. Right. So uh, it is really, really cutting edge stuff. And but the point of it again, because like that, it's also not anything new to say that social media is increasing anxiety rates in in youths, is making people feel more isolated, is 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 kind of slimy. People know that, but the the actual um, the truth that it is purposeful, it is um, it is actual, it is it's it's engineered that way, and um, and it's behaving as it is intended. So let's let's come up with some big rocks of what this thing's even saying. Mm-hmm. And the first one that comes to my mind is that this is a uh, a machine. These social platforms are a machine to make money. Yeah. And the way they make money is they manipulate human behavior. And they do so without any concern about the ethical issues of that and that it has now taken on a life of its own so that these platforms then are human manipulators. They are creating new realities that are not uh, virtuous in any intention. They are not uh, attached to truth. They have no obligation to be true or accurate. Mm -hmm. And they're changing the world um, by purposefully that manipulating people is not a bug in the system. It is the purpose. It is the function of the system. Yeah, and uh, and they do know because all of these, um, all of the hosts in this documentary. So they interview probably six people, maybe probably more than that, but the, but but that number of kind of main um, interviewees, and they're all from this industry. So, and, and, and it, these are big hitters in the industry. These are former president of Facebook, former uh, president of Instagram, Pinterest uh, executives, Facebook executives, Google executives, mm-hmm. engineers. The guy who invented the like button. Yeah. Uh, these these are legit guys. So, and with how how young the field is, these are the guys who were there from 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 go. This is like you know Harrison or not Harrison, excuse me, Henry Ford being in like a a, a car documentary because mm-hmm. this is how young the field is. And so they talk about how the energy in the beginning it wasn't um it wasn't just how can we twist around human minds to get money. You know, it was it was virtu virtuistic virtue virtue. There was lots of there was lots of virtue going around, <laughs> and uh, and he believes there still is. So. Yeah, they thought they were changing the world for the better, and and yeah, and the fact that these tools. I remember when I was in high school, the um, it was the Arab Spring happened, and it was uh, basically it was like the textbook case of hey look, um, Twitter made the world better because right. like it was um, uh, Egyptians uh, uh, fighting for their rights. Oh, largely yeah. on social you, media. You saw whole movements of um, social response and reaction that were multiplied in speed and connectivity through social media yeah. that were powerfully positive things. And this was the this was what people were saying. It was like, yeah, bummer, but we you know, this can be a lot of good. I can I can stay in touch with people that I would have lost contact with. 
And so the Arab Spring was a, was a big part of that. And, um, and so, so that idea I think is still in place, probably still in a lot of these people's mind. I don't think it's like, um, like the emperor from star Wars and like a bunch of people mm-hmm. in like dark rooms, right. Trying to plot the end of the mankind. Right. I think it is, um, and a big, a big, um, pillar of the documentary is that it's really efficiency drawn out to its craziest, like Kurt Vonnegut extreme, which really the, the, the metaphor is Frankenstein. They built a Frankenstein that then kills them. Right. Exactly. And so normally in an AI takes over the world and kills us all, it outruns our strengths. It becomes smarter than us. Mm -hmm. But what their point is, is that what this did was it leveraged our weaknesses our need for immediate gratification, mm-hmm. our addictive personalities, so that when we get a like, we need another like. And how many likes can I get? Yeah, and, and this is actually <clears throat> it, uh, this is when the I, I wrote down the exact quote for this part because this is when the the uh, documentary really clicked for me. Uh, and uh, this guy's Tristan Harris some, Harris mm-hmm. uh, worked at Google for a long time and then uh, founded this company. Uh, uh, was it Humane Technologies or something like that? And it's advocating Society for humane yeah, technology. It's advocating for the regulation of these things and for the outside. Re- he, you know, his whole point is you can't ask the um, you can't ask the weasels to govern the hen house. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> Sure. He, or, or is that, that too old of an analogy? Do you understand what that I is? I have no idea what that means. I thought it was foxes and hen houses or something Same like that. Same difference. Yeah. I didn't know weasels killed uh, Weasels chickens. kill chickens, yeah. Oh, well, I guess I'm just a city boy who doesn't know what weasels do. <laughs> uh, but that no nothing, no entity of the size and influence of these companies self-governs because yeah. it, it just doesn't work. It's like the old Hillary comic from years ago. She says, I am pleased to announce that I have investigated my use of emails and found myself to be completely innocent. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's, and with the, the Senate trials and with the 2016 election, you know, we hey guys, we, we look, we checked it out and uh, yeah. no, we didn't do it. Yeah. Wrong. We're okay. Yeah. Uh, so he's talking about the singularity, uh, Tristan in this, uh, and, and I'm not being weird. He calls himself Tristan. It's, it's spelled yeah. like Tristan, but yeah. you know, whatever. Anyway. <laughs> um, uh, and he's not French. I don't think he didn't talk French. No, he talks very mm-hmm. normal. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's talking about the singularity, which is this, you know, I'm sure you've heard of it where, or this idea that um, eventually technology will be so self-sufficient. It'll be stronger, better, uh, more reliable than humans. It'll take our jobs. It'll, you know, and the optimistic view is it'll be a utopia. We all just sit around. We all get to sit around and be at the beach all day because the mm-hmm. machines are doing all the work. Yeah. And then the opposite end of that is like um, Terminator, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger robots walking around killing people. Yeah. Uh, so he says, uh, uh, but instead, um, there's a much earlier moment where tech uh, technology exceeds and overwhelms uh, human strengths. Uh, sorry, human weaknesses. I'm trying to read my own handwriting. I should have typed these notes. <laughs> a much earlier point where technology exceeds and overwhelms human weaknesses. This point being crossed is at the root of addiction, polarization, radicalization, outrageification, uh, on and on, etc. Uh, and it is checkmate. Yeah, sorry, I was checking again. This is overwhelming powers of human nature, and it is checkmate on humanity, mm-hmm. is what he said. So, uh, and this, the point being of, I think the whole um, documentary really is that this has already um, happened, that it snuck up on us. Mm-hmm. So we're looking out for, hey, when's the crazy sci-fi Jetson stuff going to happen? And really, uh, we've already been handicapped without really knowing it, kind of a slow boiling kind of effect. Mm-hmm. 
So this is about screen time, the amount of screen time that we that we have. It's also about the need we have uh, for clicks and the and that these uh, analytics of these companies find out what makes you click more, customized to you to each user. Oh yeah, and what makes you click more? So they give you more of that, so you'll click again. They give you notifications to get you to come back. If you stop looking at your screen, they'll give you a notification that'll make you tempted to look at your screen again Yeah, because they get paid for clicks. So the only objective is to get you to click. Then this feeds this uh, uh, dopamine response in your body to being affirmed, to getting a like, to having your uh, video liked or your comment liked. And you keep going back to see if it got liked some more or the kind of media you like to watch. They give you another one and it'll recommend the next video. That's why these videos that are recommended next for you, they're not recommended to everyone. They're recommended right. to you. And this was where it got really uh, a lot more um, impactful, I guess, or, or more um, serious. Because mm-hmm. at that point, it's, uh, oh, we have a generation of people with poor impulse control and who are very down themselves and and are kind of uh, brittle is the word they use. Um, but, but it becomes this thing. So like they talk about how, uh, as an example, as a case study, um, uh, uh, pizza gate, which I hadn't actually heard of before this. Oh really? Yeah. Um, uh, maybe I was just, when I was at Northwest, it was kind of like, like, uh, I just, I was like went into a cave for four years, three years. Cause I was at uh, SPS before well, that. You had already that graduated before pizza gate. Oh really? I'm pretty sure the, the idea was that pedophiles were using ordering pizza as code language for ordering children. Right. And so this got so viral that people were believing um, this this whole story. And it's happened again with um, a furniture manufacturer, a uh, international furniture manufacturer. Have you heard about this? Uh, with these just exorbitantly priced cabinets. And people figured, well, there's no way a cabinet costs this much money. There must be kids in these cabinets that they're selling. Wow. And it's this code you know, thing for a, a child market. And so what, uh, and this, this part was real where they would, they have profiles, they have profiles for everybody, mm-hmm. um, uh, where basically you fit into, to one of them pretty well. And, uh, uh, and so they would see which of your, uh, of these people are very, are more susceptible to, um, uh, conspiracy theories mm-hmm. to, to really fringe ideas. And they recommend those to you without really any prompting. None of your friends have to follow it. Nobody you know has to follow it. Um, it comes to you because of your profile. Mm-hmm. So people who, um, because of any of their interest, would get uh, promptings for Pizzagate stuff, uh, Flat Earth stuff. Um, and it uh, just, it, 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 it snowballs. It takes you down the rabbit hole. Exactly. And this happens to, that. that's one end of the fringe spectrum. But this happens with everywhere. And uh and the analogy they used was, uh, imagine if Wikipedia, when you search for, for a Wikipedia article, there was actually a different article depending on your online profile. Mm-hmm. So you can't even um, assume that you are seeing the same truths, the same facts as anybody else. Now, that's not what Wikipedia does. They were saying, imagine if that's what it does. That, yeah, yeah. So if you were... And, that, and that's what uh, and that's what Google does with their, with their search results. That's what Facebook yeah. does with their uh, article suggestions. Yeah, in the old days, if you started to type into Google, uh, why are Christians so, it'll show you the top 10 national searches for the rest of that line. Mm-hmm. Uh, why are Christians... And if you do that, by the way, it's very discouraging. Why are Christians <laughs> so hypocritical, judgmental, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And and that used to be the most common national searches that started with those words. 
But now they customize the response of that to your geographical region and to your analytics so that they are going to put things on there you want to click on. So if you pursue conspiracy theories, then they're going to start feeding conspiracy theories to you over and over and over and over again. Yeah. And you're going to go in this rabbit hole where you think the whole country is in on this conspiracy theory and everybody knows this. Yeah. And, uh, and, and again, that this is not, um, that this is purposeful. They brought up the 2016, um, election interference with Russia and how the term thrown around is election hacking. And they don't dispute that the, like it's a, it's, it's a, it's useful to have umbrella terms like this. Mm -hmm. Um, but they made the distinction that there was no hacking. There was no illegal or unintended use of the system. They used the system as it was designed to be used, um, for what we would call nefarious purposes. So it wasn't, it wasn't, there was no hacking really, no breaking of rules. They were using this system to, like we said, suggest articles, people who are susceptible to these articles. Right. And, uh, and they talked about how it can happen on very, like, like people with not a whole lot of resources can do this. You can pay. It's very inexpensive to do. You can pay, uh, to uh, for for an ad to maximize your impact and uh and change you know local elections because a thousand people in a local election that's a huge deal so uh and they so that is a it's a point i want to make sure people hear they're saying russia whoever they're not hacking the system they're simply using it Mm -hmm. the way it's designed here's a memo from sophie zong uh z-h-a-n-g she was a data scientist at facebook who got fired, and um, she wrote a 6,600-word farewell memo to her coworkers. Wow. Uh, and this is part of that uh, BuzzFeed uh, w- uh, captured that memo, and here's part of the quote. She says, in, three, in the three years I've spent at Facebook, I've found multiple blatant attempts by foreign national governments to abuse our platform on vast scales to mislead their own citizens and caused international news on multiple occasions. Hmm. Then she says, I have personally made decisions that affected national presidents without oversight of myself and taken action to enforce against so many prominent politicians globally that I've lost count. Goodness. And when Facebook was talked uh, asked about this, they did not deny her um, statements. They simply said, we have other priorities we're working on than controlling these countries that we don't live in, you know? Yeah. And the, the, um, the severity, the, the, the consequences are so intense. They talked about in in the, um, in the documentary about, uh, Myanmar, which is funny. This is the second episode in the the short time talking about Myanmar. Yeah. Yeah, Which I've said, I've said that country's name maybe six (laughs) times in my life. Uh, but a uh, uh, but Facebook in that country uh, was used to incite basically um, genocide and huge amounts of violence, convincing uh, people to hurt each other very very easily. And that was the first I'd heard of it. So so admittedly, I don't have a lot of context on that. Um, but uh, but the point being that this because originally, and we'll get into this. We're going to do our commercial break and then talk a little bit more how this affects um, you know. Us and, yeah. and you and me and the church and, and, and what we think of um, some reactions to it. Right. So my initial reaction was um, I want to shove my head in the sand and, mm-hmm. and, you know, and disappear. Yeah. But the point of this show is um, 
it doesn't matter. It affects the world without you. You can't, you can escape um, its effects on your physiology it, to an extent mm-hmm. um, by, by unplugging, but you can't escape the effects that it has on the elections of your, of your country or of the polarization of the people around you, of your loved ones. Um, so it's a bigger problem than, than you deleting an app on your phone. And a couple of more points too, uh, from the documentary that you would say, well, I've already believed that, but anxiety disorders through the roof, mm-hmm. they showed stats on, um, self harm among particularly teen and preteen. And then they showed stats on suicide attempts among teen and preteen and, and specifically, the, uh, girls, especially. Yeah. And they show the line of social media, um, uh, uh, long, uh, explosion and the dramatic like 176 percent increase in uh, in preteen suicide attempts um, so it was 100 170 ish for for self-harm and then 100 and I think 40 for suicide suicide not even attempts deaths deaths yeah, from suicide. so it's a it's a, a radical impact um, particularly on middle school kids when you think about how hard middle school is already developmentally yeah and now you obsess over your Instagram account and how many likes you have and what people are, how they're speaking poorly of you on social media or whatever. It just intensifies uh, that human need for connection and that addiction we have to seek approval, affirmation. Uh, same as a slot machine. It gives you that yeah. instant gratification with a win or loss. And I want to do it again. Yeah. What am I going to see this time? And that was why I think the um, technology overcoming our weaknesses was the click for me in this thing mm-hmm. because um, I view it the same way as um, uh, really like like any any kind of vice in this way uh, like like pornography. It's like you uh, humans are designed. And another thing, this the the uh, most of these hosts talk in kind of a in a humanist evolutionary way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still valuable. It's a valuable resource regardless. But uh, but I would you know. Some of their implications I would disagree with. Uh, so we're designed to uh, need, not just want, obviously we want it too, but need Connect. connection mm-hmm. and, and uh, to be wanted and to, uh, to, to be loved. And, uh, and so there is this uh, dirt cheap, very accessible, very potent uh, way to get that mm-hmm. um, and, and, and very destructive way to get that. And, uh, and there's, it, it's that for everything. Yeah. It's, I want to be connected. I want to be liked. I want to, uh, see new things. I want to explore. I want to learn, uh, this very, very cheap, very destructive, um, very accessible, uh, thing that humans can't because of those weaknesses, because technology has overcome that now. Um, it's not a, it's not a willpower thing. Like you can't blame yourself really. Well, it's the same because as it, I had the aha about sugar. So right, it's designed to just sugar is designed, and now they put sugar in everything, and it's mm-hmm. designed to get you addicted to it. And uh, the thing that turned the corner for me as a sugar lover and a sugar junkie is when I saw this study where they had these uh, lab rats. They had like forty-two lab rats that they gave crack cocaine to every single day. Then all they did was introduce, along with the cocaine, mm-hmm. they introduced a sugar water. What's and I got to do to get into this cage. <laughs> <laughs> and after one day, 40 of the 42 rats ignored the crack cocaine and only went for the sugar water. Really? Yes. Um, that it is that addictive. And wow. that was a real, that was when my light bulb went off. For I need to really take a look at this. Yeah. So um, 
let's talk about after your show and tell and the commercial. What is it that you think I really need to do? What are some things they recommend that we do? And then let's talk about the impact of this on ourselves. Is that yeah. kind of where you want to That's, go? I love it. All right. Let's hear your show and tell. Okay. My show and tell. Um, we talk about God every now and again on this podcast. <laughs> uh, this is related to that. Uh, there was a, a um, I don't, you would know the name of it, a, uh, a, like a prop for the, for the, the attendance of your sermon, like a, take this home with you and think about it. What do you call that? That would be, I don't know, an object lesson or a, yeah, an object lesson. Sure. Okay. Uh, you guys have done keys before that yeah. you put on your keychain just mm-hmm. to do something where you think about it outside of church. Mm-hmm. Um, I used a penny once because Lincoln was the great emancipator. This was it. He had pennies on the, on the counters. And he said, take a penny with you so you th- you feel it and you think Did about it. Did I nail it? That's what your show and tell is? Um, it's it's related. Okay. Uh, think about uh, what was paid for you, you know, just a, a memory device. Yeah. So I was working at Mud Bay Coffee at the time. Rest in peace. <laughs> and uh, and I was, you know, you get tips and stuff. And I got a, uh, it is a heavy silver coin with JFK on it. Is a 50 cent coin. Oh, wow. And I never really had 50 cent coins because I never had a lot of cash anyways. But every time I, we got some of these, I would trade in some quarters for them in my tips and get some 50 cent coins. And this one was around the time of that campaign. And I figured now, I we know. called them a 50 cent piece when I was a kid. You know, that's we called them 50 cent pieces. Why piece instead of coin? I don't know. That's a really interesting question. But we called them 50 cent pieces. You had quarters, <laughs> dimes, nickels, 50 cent pieces and silver dollars. Interesting. I'm going to still call it a coin. I, I but, think you should. I don't. I'm curious where we got fifty cent piece. <laughs> uh, then you yeah. had that rapper called Fifty Cent. Yeah, and he had a piece. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so I, I, I said, hey, I'll put this in my pocket. It'll serve the same reminder. It's heavier, and I need about fifty times the amount of grace that a lot of these people need. So, uh, it's anybody's got one. It's not a special fifty cent coin, but what? it is the same one I've had in my pocket the entire time. Really? Since what year? Uh, um. Probably about two years ago, whenever that series was, maybe wow. about a year and a half ago. Wow! Um, and uh, you and know, you carry it every day. Mm-hmm. Well, because jeans have that little coin pocket above oh, your yeah. main pocket. Yeah. I keep it in there every time, and just move it around when I switch pants. Nice. Yeah. Well, and admittedly, when I wear shorts because they don't have those, I leave it on my bedstand so I don't lose it. Cause right. Because it can fall point. out of those pockets. Yeah. But that's my show and tell. And so, uh, when you touch it, mm-hmm. what do you think? Well, it's tricky now because it's like when you have something around you that often, it loses kind of the because you're supposed to be surprised. You think, "What's this in my pocket?" Oh, that's right. This is to remind see, me right. of this, and it doesn't surprise you when you carry it around every day. What do you think of when you pick up your phone? You you see it a thousand times a day. Mm-hmm. So I don't look at it that often, obviously. But uh, um, so it is maybe not as effective anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but it makes you think about that, and it, it it is still a device. It still has meaning to me more than yeah. um, half of a dollar. Yeah, that's and, awesome. Uh, yeah, and if you don't, I'm very, very sentimental. So at this point, it's you know, if I lost it, I would be, I would be honestly bummed out. Yeah, like I have a water bottle that I've had since I was in seventh grade. Wow, and uh, I've almost lost it a few times, and it's very distressing. But I probably got to get over it. <laughs> Can't have that water bottle forever. That's true. All right, let's do our commercial. We'll be right back. Awesome. Upstream is supported by the faithful members of the Upstream team, listeners who give monthly through Patreon. This podcast is just one part of the Jim and John ministry. They also write weekly blogs, have published their first book, and are currently at work on more. 
their desire is to produce transformational content as well as offer encouragement and coaching to others. The dream is to see a movement of people who are integrating the work of Jesus into their daily lives and who are joining Him on His mission to redeem and restore all things. Check out their website at jimandjohn.com where you can learn more about the father-son duo and gain access to all they have to offer. If you would like to join the Upstream team, consider partnering with Jim and John on patreon.com slash jimandjohn. A link is also available on the homepage of their website. And remember, there's no H in John. Now let's join Jim and John for the home stretch of today's conversation. All right, welcome back, everybody, and, uh, and thanks for listening. Okay, so uh, uh, we've broken down the, the documentary a bit. Let's kind of bring it to, um, to our lives, to your guys' lives. Um, how much of this, um, of the social dilemma are you, um, are you buying into? If, what do you have any? Yeah. Buts to this, to this thing. Yeah. So are you hook, line and sinker? Do you, you buy this, John, do you think, um, Hey, they nailed it. This is exactly what's going on. Or would you say I'm 80% there? I think that's a bigger story than that. Or I think there's other factors or I'm not buying it. Um, I don't doubt them very much. If anyone were to know, it'd be these guys. I think that's what makes it kind of different than a think piece. It's not just a bunch of people who use social media. It is many of the very important, um, um, early, foundational early players. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> so, um, I believe them. I think I fall a little short of when they say they use the word a lot. Um, really, really big claim. They use the word a lot existential threat. Mm-hmm. And in that quote, uh, that guy said, this is checkmate on humanity. This right. is like, yeah, you know, they, they really think this is going to, they think it could be one guy said uh, the outcome will be civil war. Mm-hmm. Another guy said that no country with the democracy, with the social media uh, let loose like this, unregulated, able to do this, can remain a democracy. The democracies cannot survive this. Yeah. So they have a pretty glim, grim, what's the word? Grim, glum. Yeah. Grim, okay. glum. <laughs> grim, glum. Uh, uh, so prognostication. I, yeah. And I, um, um, I hold the you know biblical um, uh, prophecies of the end times above that, right? So obviously John the Revelator is not going to write, and then social media came along and ruined everybody's <laughs> lives. So this could obviously play a huge part in the end of the world, but I would see it more as um, the decay of a country and of a of a culture because it's not just us; it's the entire Western world. They throw around the world two billion people, the word two, uh, two billion people. So, you know, a third of the world being shaped by this. I don't think it's an existential threat. I don't think this is why humans would eventually mm-hmm. go extinct. Because for one, I don't believe in human extinction. I believe in a final judgment before then. So there's differences in understanding of the world there. But in, in, in regard to this technology, but I'm, you I'm, believe this is a very real problem. Yeah. And we need to think about it and do something about it. I don't think they're with the is this, exception is this of more or less re, uh, threatening than climate change. Uh, less threatening. Really? You think climate change is a bigger problem than this? Yeah. Cause, cause this isn't going to, you know, flood an entire, like half a state and kill a bunch of people. This is, yeah, know. I would have to say, I disagree with that completely. My view is this is a far greater threat than climate change simply because it accelerates so fast. Mm. And so it has the power. But uh, here's a, an article from The Verge that says, hey, this isn't to let social networks off the hook, nor is it an effort to make the problem feel so complicated that everyone just throws up their hands and walks away. But I'm shocked 
at how appealing so many people find the idea that social networks are uniquely responsible for all of society's ills. <laughs> um, the Social Dilemma has been among the 10 most watched programs on Netflix that particular week. Um, and so he goes on to say, this cartoon supervillain view of the world strikes me as the kind of mirror image of the right-wing conspiracy theories which hold that a uh, cabal of elites are manipulating every world event in secret. And, and so it kind of smacks of that to these guys. Yeah. And what I would say to that is, um, is that these guys are saying that that exact analogy is because of social media. The reason <laughs> there are people who believe in the cabal of like right. of super Illuminati, which existed, those ideas existed before yeah. social media. So he's got a point. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but when you look around, cause there is a universal air of the world's gone nuts. What mm-hmm. the heck is happening? Right. You know, lots of people think that. And lots of people have thought that you look at, um, I, I was watching like a Billy Graham, uh, thing, you know, black and white sixties oh, yeah. in, yeah. in, in one of his crusades. And uh, he's talking about how, how, um, depraved the world is. I'm like, Oh, Billy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was nothing. That was nothing. Well, so, I, so, so that we've heard this song before is what yeah, I'm saying, but, yeah. but it does feel different. Yeah. And, um, the, um, uh, the dramatic increase in some real social problems, Attached, i.e., anxiety, self harm, suicide attempts, yeah, despair, uh, are very real. And what social media to me, the most dangerous thing social media does, other than get you addicted to your device and your screen time, mm-hmm. is that it plunges you into a world where you hear no alternative view but the one you love. Mm. And so people look at their social media streams. I hear this all the time from both right-wing and left-wing people because all they see is their own stories and their mm-hmm. own propagation of their views. They go, how could anybody possibly think the other way? Right. And they're both saying that because they don't think they, they don't. think the whole world sees what they see. Exactly. And they're only seeing what is catered to them to feed their views even more and to radicalize their views. So, but so you didn't uh, answer explicitly. How much I, of this do I, I you... think I'm 80% in. Yeah, I'd probably be, maybe I'm 85 or 90. The only the only real um, um, scruple I have with it is this this kind of existential threat. Because to me, it's thinking of like like the Book of Eli or something. Like, yeah. oh, Facebook killed us all. It's like, I don't, yeah. You know. Okay, so what are some things they recommend you do uh, to to counteract this powerful social media force in the world? A lot of it's really big picture. It's a lot of um, regulations because um, they showed some clips from the Senate hearing, which was probably way long ago, more long, further back than I remember it. I think it was like two years. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, on Facebook for this kind of um, uh, election hacking stuff. And um, the answer that, that uh, Tristan gives is um, that they should be held accountable, that the people who take responsibility for um, the mental health of children and the um, outcomes of elections should be responsible for the mental health of children and the outcome of elections. So that's yeah, that's so responsibilities and, and consequences for them. And Saturday morning cartoons was an example I think he used that if mm-hmm. you if you produce Saturday morning children's content on TV, then you should be held accountable for what that content does to a child. Yeah, and so uh, there needs to be some accountability for the outcomes. Also, there needs to be some standard of truth that uh, fake news should not be allowed 
to be sold to you because it's not just presented by somebody. It is then propagated intentionally yeah. to move masses of people. So they think there's there needs to be some regulation from the outside in uh, because this is such a powerful thing, like you would regulate sugar or what you regulate uh, drugs, anything that would have the power to alter human behavior. Yeah. Also, they would say, uh, do not rely on social media for your news. Get your news from reliable sources and watch multiple sources so that you get lots of perspectives. Limit your screen time. Don't let your kids, every one of these unanimously agree yeah. that their kids will not use social media ever until they're, uh, you know, late teens. Uh, yeah, some of them use the, the high school age, some further back. Because um, um, this is especially dangerous to middle school kids. So we now have a lot of people who, because we talk about official news sources, um, I've brought up NPR and it hasn't only raised your eye, but I've gotten comment on it outside of this podcast. Mm-hmm. You know, how could, you know, that's such a liberal thing. Reuters even, you know, what, what is essentially, that's where other news sources get their news. It's, it's like the bedrock right. of journalism. People don't really believe Reuters anymore. So is, is the damage done? My question is the damage done too much already? Well, it has been done where we don't trust anybody. Right. But that's why for my personal um, uh, discipline is I watch Fox, CNN, MSNBC, NPR, B, uh, B, uh, BBC. BBC. Uh, I mix them up with a wide range. So I get the same news story from all those different perspectives. And it helps me whittle that down into what's accurate. Hmm. So the problem is to is to propagate yourself to one side and then just live there. So let's if we're talking then that's kind of big picture, um, really really intimate. Um, what can you do different? So so that's part of it. Mm-hmm. Get news from all kinds of different sources. So you'd say that's that's one thing that you can do different. Yeah, I would problem. say you know uh, my personal takeaway is that where so you have some hope in your mind. My yeah, personal or, or takeaway just. just if if you're or telling recommendation, someone, yeah, yeah. If you're telling someone what, like they hear this, oh no, mm-hmm. what can you do about it? Not just yeah. think they should do this or they. they well, this do is that. interesting because um, social media is also an effective tool, and so yeah. like at the church, we want to keep using social media to get our message out there and to help people connect, and especially when the in person element is as diminished as it is right now. Right. So, um, but we also are self regulating ethically the use of that social media and the protection of people's privacy and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So my personal thing is get off the dang device. Um, I've been, you know, your phone will track your screen time for you. And I've been intentionally, my goal is to lower my screen time every single week. Mm. And at the end of the week, I get a notification. Your screen time this yeah. week, this week was, and if it goes up, I flinch, and I'm, my goal is to see it go down every week. Yeah. Trying to check email just once or twice a day, whatever, three times a day. But specifically social media, get off of those things. And during an election cycle, it's even worse. Yeah. So just go on a fast. Go on a social media fast. Uh, another thing for me is um, when I go to bed, the last thing I look at is my phone, and the first thing I look at when I wake up is my yeah. phone. Those are horrible habits. And so I'm trying to break those habits. Maybe the problem is my phone is my alarm. Um, so I'm thinking about getting an old-fashioned alarm and putting my phone in another room 
so that I can't get to it, you know, and I don't go to it right away. I always worry about, you know, like uh, some terrible 3 a.m. call. It's mm-hmm. like, what if, what if you can't, you, right. you know. Especially right now, my daughter's going to have a baby any day now. Right. And I do, I, you know, I'm going to keep it there. And yeah. I keep the volume up because I want to hear if she calls. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I guess my takeaway for this, again, for this question, um, uh, is that the, and I've emphasized it already a few times, the thing about it, it overcoming our weaknesses I mean, again, it sounds like a good thing when you, when you word it like that. Um, but, uh, like in studies on willpower, mm-hmm. uh, the willpower of individual people is really, really overblown kind of in like the public conscious and like narratives and stuff like that. Like, meaning um, they, they exaggerate how much we have. Yes. Yeah. So like, um, real successful lifestyles aren't people who, look at the piece of cake on their plate and don't eat it. Mm. It's the people who don't put cake on their plates. It's the people who engineer their lives to not have to make tough calls like that yeah. because you, because eventually you can't. And they've done studies on the brain where the more you deny yourself, the worse and worse you get at it in a day. It's like, it's like exercise. You actually mm. get weaker as you, um, as you, uh, uh, deny really impulsive or, or self gratifying things throughout, mm-hmm. throughout a day. Mm-hmm. And it's not like a muscle where you get better at it. You do in a, in a, in a general upward trend, but not where you can just get Arnold Schwarzenegger strong. Second time I've said Arnold Schwarzenegger in this episode, <laughs> uh, with willpower. It's, there's nobody like, like a Batman in real life who just right. dominates his life and body like that. Yeah. So, uh, so social media is the same thing. It, and, and, and things like pornography where it's so accessible and it and so much like cocaine or sugar um that the only way to to withstand it because it's so designed against your weaknesses is to not interact with it and that becomes my real question mm-hmm. because what i wanted to do is throw my phone away right <laughs> me too and go as back i was to, watching i was like i'm uh, go back to a pager or smoke signals or whatever yeah uh can you just like you can't dabble in porn and stay sexually healthy. Mm-hmm. Can you dabble in social media and stay healthy, or is it something that has to be completely removed? And I use porn as the example because it is so. If it's so well in that model of I because have, it's triggering this these, need. these chemical reactions in your brain. Exactly, I have this need, and this thing can can gratify that right. instantly. So it's a, it's a perfect example. Um, I think it is way more ethically. It's way less ethically neutral than social media, which which can be called in the best terms a tool. Um, and I don't think pornography could be called a tool in the most generous of of uh, terms. So so like with a church, you know, like this is this is um, it feels like we're now pretty used to sort of social dis- distancing. But this year, I mean, without social media, how does Evergreen tell anybody anything? Right. How do they get the word out about anything without social media? Right. You know, so it's, it is still a tool and it's still impossible to really thrive in certain situations without. So it. you're going to call for self-regulation. I've got to, first of all, when you start uh, chasing news stories, mm-hmm. I am, I mean, I get lots of people passing me their favorite news story. Sure. And then I go, Hey, this isn't real. Yeah. And so to really evaluate what you're looking at, is this real? In fact, search out um, contrarian opinions just to hear the whole story before you buy something hook, line, and sinker. Yeah, because then and that alternative say, well, I'm going to unplug. Now you're uninformed. Right. You know, so it's, so it's, it's almost like an impossible situation. Yeah. 
All right, John, any more uh, big takeaways for you? Well, I want there to be because my last word was impossible situation. That's not a good way to <laughs> to end the podcast. Uh, I think because, like I said earlier, it is too big a problem for you to ignore or pretend isn't there. And yeah, and it and it will affect you regardless. But um, I think your personal sphere, right, is actually the most important for your personal satisfaction. Yeah. So yeah, even if the world is affected by this on a really big scale, your own personal. Um, gratification and and satisfaction in God and happiness and contentment with your marriage. All of these are, are pretty well in your sphere. You can, you can actually handle, you can, you can manipulate these pretty well, much more than you can manipulate what Zuckerberg is going to do in the court, you know, or or how this election is going to go. And so, uh, so you do have agency because this whole thing is, Hey, we're just puppets, right? That's the whole point of the, of the documentary. Yeah. You're having thoughts that you were never meant to have. It kind of starts that way. That's what got the conversation going at Google. He Mm -hmm. said 50, a uh, young white guy engineers all ages like 25 to 30 yeah are puppetly manipulating humanity billions of people billions of people to outcomes that they can manipulate uh because of the because of feeding their weaknesses of this need for affirmation immediate gratification blah blah blah, blah. and another group has no oversight so that's the big problem that's, yeah but you can limit that exposure so you do have that agency and there are ways to do it. And even if we, you know, we definitely spent more time on the problem than the solution. But um, if it's as easy as deleting an app, even temporarily, um, uh, you you do have a say in that, which is. Powerful. And that is what they all said. Hey, delete the apps. Right. Uh, you know, starve the system, just mm-hmm. like with um, with human trafficking, human trafficking. People want to go after the traffickers. But if you cut off the demand, the traffickers go away. Yeah. So if they, if they have no reason to do it, if they're not going to make money, right, then they're not going to do it. And so if men stopped looking at porn, if men stopped trafficking with prostitutes, mm-hmm. you could cut off the demand. Therefore, the supply goes back. And that would be the same with this. They're saying if you, if you, if you reduce the demand for these likes and these triggers, they will adjust their algorithms because it's fed on that system. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I hope this was life-giving. I think normally we're a little more maybe, um, at the very least, more spiritual than this. <laughs> this is yeah, very, and it, uh, and it uh, feels uh, feels dark. It feels yeah. uh, discouraging. And yet um, we know that since the fall of man, man has been perpetuating his own demise, mm-hmm. like uh, climate change and like social disruption and like addictions and like all of it. They're all man-made problems. Because of the fallen nature of us, it is being fed by uh, a spirit of evil and the spirit of the age. So there's some real enemies there. Yeah. But the reality is we have a redeemer in Jesus who can strengthen us, help us walk in victory, and who's going to leverage all the chaos for incredible kingdom opportunity. So um, there are a lot of reasons to be encouraged. Yeah. We know we know how the story ends. Yes. So, you know, halfway through the book, it's looking pretty bleak, <laughs> but you already read the last chapter. Right. You don't have to worry. Yeah, you don't have to worry about it that much. Yeah. All right. Hey, thanks for listening. Pass it on to a friend. Uh, email us at info at jimandjohn.com. No H in the John. Yes, please. We'd love to hear from you. If you have feedback, if you have, uh, we will do a viewer episode. If you have a lot of feedback for us or topics you'd like us to discuss, we will be responsive to that. So let us know. Awesome. Thank you guys for listening. We will talk to you next week. Thank you.